Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Amen, church. Good morning. Uh, I want to start off by saying that I am I'm grateful uh, to be a part of a church uh, that not only stands on biblical truth, that speaks truth um, through love and intentionally uh, goes through scripture, that we, we, don't, we don't teach our opinions, we don't teach those things, we teach what the word says. But I'm also thankful to be part of a church that takes advantage of the opportunities that the Lord gives us in terms of ministry. Uh, first of all, not to go over what Chris said, but last night with Wild Game Dinner, also coming up this next weekend with Night to Shine, getting the opportunity to minister there. And also, right now, we have three of our own who are ministering in Ivory Coast. I talked to Pastor Blaine, this, or I texted him a little bit this morning, as they were boarding a plane in Paris to fly to West Africa to minister there for a couple of weeks. So I want to encourage you to pray for a few things. First thing, I want you to pray for them that uh, that the Lord works there. It's not just them. It's a, a huge team of people doing uh, medical missions, doing all sorts of things. Pray for them uh, that the love of Christ be shown. Number two, pray for their safety. Number three, pray for um, that everybody remains healthy and all this. And number four, pray that we take advantage of the opportunities given us. Um, I'm thankful for, for all three of those of that group who are there, who are ministering there. Um, and I'm also thankful that to be a part of a church that when the Lord gives us opportunities to minister, not only to our neighbors, but also to the nations, that we take, advantages of, or we take advantage of those opportunities. When I was in college, someone challenged me to examine the way that I pray and examine how I, how I pray. And it was part of a small group, and they said, when you pray, keep track of how often you ask for things. And again, there's nothing wrong with asking of the Lord during prayer. Scripture tells us that, but that that is fine. But they also said, try praying without asking for something. And it's kind of difficult. So I saw, and this doesn't seem that hard. So, you know, you pray, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all the things you've done. Lord, help me to, oh no, okay, restart. Uh, Lord, I, I'm grateful for you. you have, you've saved me from so much. And Lord, I just want to ask you, oh, okay. Here we go again. And the person challenged me. They said, uh, one thing that really helps, that helped them, and the longer that I've known this, it's been close to 10 years since I've learned this, um, the longer I've learned this, they said, pray through the Psalms. Now, the Psalms, like most of you, you know, one of the first bits of Scripture I memorized was Psalm 23, right? And they said, pray through the Psalms. It'll help you to get used to that idea of not asking for things. And after all, the Psalms are ultimately prayers uh, through the form of a song to the Lord. So they said, pray through the Psalms. And one of the ones that I did uh, a, a study later on with and just kind of uh, worked out, the Lord worked it out, that we did a study through Psalm 8, which is where we will be today. And I love the Psalms, because throughout the Old Testament, we have this narrative of creation um, to the fall, and then the Lord's plan of redemption through the Hebrews all the way to the birth of Christ in the New Testament. And we get to see how all of that, how the Lord preserved them 
through all of that. And then kind of almost randomly, right in the middle, literally right in the middle of your Bible, we have Psalms. This book of songs that they sing has several different authors, primarily David, which the one we're talking about today will be from David as well. And it's this unique look into the mind and into the prayer life of a person, and specifically with David here. Often we see in Scripture where it talks about, you know, they were troubled, or they tore, you know, they tore their clothes, or uh, they danced out of joy, and they, they were fill in the gap. But the Psalms give us a more in-depth of what that person was feeling in that given moment. And in Psalm chapter, sorry, Psalm 8, we see where David is just overflowing with joy and gratitude to the Lord. David, one of the most fascinating people in Scripture, uh, we meet him and he's just this shepherd boy musician who turns into a warrior king, right? Talk about coming from the bottom. I mean, this is incredible what the life of David, what is entailed in the life of David. It's incredible to get the opportunity to see that we can learn so much from David. And a lot of the Psalms are actually him expressing his gratitude to the Lord. We get to see how he dealt with fear, how he dealt with anger, how he dealt with um, anxiety, how he dealt with joy. All of these things through the Psalms. And this psalm is no different. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the Son of Man that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic! Is your name in all the earth. Now, often we read a psalm and we say, man, that was encouraging, that was uplifting, and we kind of leave it there. They're, they're not, uh, psalms aren't what you read and go, man, there's so much de- theological depth to that, but there's so much more than often we give it credit for. So, we're gonna go through this today, talk a little bit about that, what all of this means, what David was feeling through this. It's a very personal psalm for David, and we can make it our own. It's just as true for us as it is him. So the very first line right out of the gate, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, he repeats the word Lord in the English translation, but if we look at it in the original translation, the first Lord uh, in your Bible should be all caps, and that is what it means. That is what it That is what is written when it says Yahweh, which is the holy name of God. So holy that the Hebrews don't pronounce it because they might mispronounce it and blaspheme the name of God. Now, obviously I don't have that conviction, but Yahweh, we see this the highest name of God that they can possibly muster. This Y-H-W-H is it written in 
English, Yahweh, meaning to be, become, come to pass. So in the beginning, right now, all the way to the end, there's never a time that is not of the Lord. This is the highest, most holy name of the Lord. So already, he is giving the greatest possible amount of praise just by the very name he speaks to God. The very next sentence, or the very next part of the sentence, he says, our Lord. He makes it very, very personal. So at first, you know, it's this grand grand gesture, you know, the the eternal God, the God that created us, this eternal great God, our Lord. Immediately he brings it to a very personal point in his life. This isn't a distant God. This isn't a God who exists somewhere else who created us and then left. This is a God that is involved with us. This is a God who loves us, who is intentional with us, his creation. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Now that might sound a little familiar. In Isaiah 6, we see where the seraphim or the angels are calling this out to one another. Something very, very similar. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And David says something very similar to this. And it says when the angels called it out that the foundations of the temple shook. And David is saying something very similar to those words. Again, what the praises of angels, David is giving this back to the Lord. So we can see that this isn't just a casual, Lord, thank you for all you're doing for me. This is much more than this. This is much more intentional, much more gratitude involved in it. It's it's the most optimistic one can be while praying, is what David is saying here. He moves on and says, you have set your glory above the heavens. This is the grandest scale that he can think of. This is larger than life. This is larger than comprehension, even for us. Now, we know a little bit more about the universe than David did in his day. But even this, he's thinking, I can't, I mean, nothing that I can possibly fathom can contain the glory of the Lord. We just see a glimpse, the very edge of the glory of God here in the earth. We're seeing the outer light of his glory. This is what David says says to him. Listen, you, you've set your glory far above the heavens. And we're just, we're just getting glimpses of it and it's still overwhelming. He moves on. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. So the weakest and most helpless among us, the weakest beings of us, and the most helpless. And there's this dichotomy from the first part of the verse that talks about this grand God whose glory is above the heavens, the most holy name for the Lord. Again, he is, he's saying something very similar that the angels cry out to God, and he's saying all this, and then he goes, from the mouth of babies and infants, the weakest among us. So there's this dichotomy between God's power and our weakness and our inability. And all creation glorifies the Lord. We read this through other psalms that all creation glorifies the Lord. Even infants, when they glorify the Lord, it's so loud and it's so great because He is so great that it drowns out the enemy and the avenger. They can't stand up against it. It steals them. The worst possible thing that we can possibly imagine, our flesh, the world, uh, Satan that pulls us in every single direction, is stilled when we call on the name of the Lord, even the weakest among us. This 
is the importance. He's saying, listen, like even it, it doesn't take a strong man, it doesn't take a strong adult, even the baby, the weakest among us can do this. And we see where the Lord uses this throughout Scripture. The weakest among us. The, the person who doesn't seem like the most qualified. Matthew 19, 14, when the people are bringing their children to be blessed by Jesus, and the disciples are like, keep your kids away. Don't you know who this is? He's a big deal. He don't want to see your babies. Calm down. You know, get them out of here. And Jesus says, no, no, let your little children come to me and do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of heaven. We later see where the disciples who walked with, with Jesus, he, he didn't call the religious leaders. He called fishermen. He called tax collectors. And we later see where uh, those religious leaders are listening to the disciples, specifically Peter and John. In Acts 4.13, Jesus has died. He is resurrected. He spent time with the disciples. He has ascended into heaven. And we see that they're teaching these men. They're saying these things. And it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. That's an insult, isn't it? Uneducated common man. You know, like, these aren't impressive people. But they see them and they hear the words coming out of their mouth and see their boldness. And he says, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Jesus uses the common man, the uneducated man, the fisherman. And David knew this more than most people. Don't forget, the, the place where we meet David is bringing food to his brothers who were at battle. This little shepherd uh, musician who's out there, who, you know, plays, sings his songs and keeps his sheep. That's kind of what he does. And he comes and he says, what's going on? And they're like, man, that giant down there, you know, just right under 10 foot. He's not quite 10 foot, so it's not too impressive. But he's like 9'9", nine, nine, something like that. But he's talking, he's calling one of us out and we're not going to do it. And how does David respond? He says, no, 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 no. He's talking about the Lord. Absolutely not. Let me fight him. How many times... Again, a lot of you have grandkids and kids, uh, and some of us are, some of us were this at one point, but uh, if you hang out and get the opportunity to minister to like 10, 11, 12 year old boys, a lot of them are like this. I'll fight him. You're like, I'm an adult. No, you're not, you know? Like, again, there's just this, I got this, you know, this. They'll swell up on you quick. But this isn't what this is. This isn't David saying, my abilities will take down that giant. You can almost, you know, Paul gives him the armor and it's just big and clunky on him because he's a boy. We, we know that Saul, not Paul, Saul, so we know that Saul is tall and we know that he gives him his armor and it's big and David's like, I don't want to wear this. this. No. takes off And he goes down there with a sling and a rock. And again, you can almost see him just, again, tall, small. And he drops this giant. And we, we know that because of David's attitude, because of David's mentality, if you would have said, David, you killed that giant, he would go, no, I didn't. I, I didn't do this. I was faithful in a moment that God gave me. It wasn't me who killed this giant. It was the Lord. David knows better than probably anyone that the Lord can work through even the weakest among us. Even a shepherd boy who likes to sing songs in the fields watching his sheep can slay a giant when he understands that the Lord is on his side. He didn't fight for his glory. He fought for the glory of the Lord. He moves on. when David moves on. When I look at your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? God's glory is evident everywhere if we are just willing to look for it. From a microscopic level to this grand vastness of space, we can see the glory of the Lord in everything. We can tell that there's a creator. Obviously, we can see that there is a creator. Now, we see in that, uh, I said earlier that this is very personal to David, and we see that he doesn't say the sun, the moon, and the stars. That could mean a couple of different things. Maybe he was walking at night when this is what he was dwelling on. Perhaps he was looking back to his days as a shepherd, looking up at the sky. Uh, we, we don't really know, but we just know it was very personal to him. This is, his, this is how he sees the glory of the Lord manifest, and this is how he's giving him the glory. What is man? We've learned a little more about our universe since David was a boy. Now, if you'll bear with me for a second. Uh, if you count Pluto, which I'm going to, because if we're all... If, it's a planet, okay? It's silly that they just, in 2006, decided it's not, right? Anyway, in 2006, they decided it's not, but we're going to count Pluto. In, if you line up all nine planets, in terms of size, the Earth is smack dab in the middle. Number five. Like literally the definition of average in terms of size. If you look at our sun, which we revolve around, uh, our sun is an average star with average brightness. Still not super, super special. If you take our sun and you take the solar system surrounding it out to Neptune, because again, they don't count Pluto sometimes, and you made that the size of a quarter, the size of our galaxy would be about the size of the United States. Now, imagine David looking up in the sky, and if David was alive today and we said, David, this is what we know about the universe. Do you think David would go, yeah, I may have overshot that a little bit? No. No, because it's just as true yesterday as it was today. We see that the glory of the Lord goes or the glory of the Lord goes beyond all of that. It's in the heavens above that. And by the way, in terms of our galaxy, we, we don't know everything about space, obviously, because we can't see everything in space. But from our best estimates, a lower estimate of how many galaxies that we can kind of figure up is right around a hundred billion. This is again, the Lord is not exactly like, oh, I'm gonna create these limits. The Lord is limitless. And again, everything we know about our creation pales in comparison to the God that we serve. And David knows this. David talks about this. this best, when I look at the work of your fingers, all of this, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Like We, we often do that. Uh, we, I've, I had the opportunity to to see the Grand Canyon, and it's weird because like halfway across, you're like, I don't think anything exists beyond that. It's impossible, right? Like It's, it's hard to even fathom and to grasp that, and to think that that is just a tiny speck uh, of everything that we understand about the world. That's a tiny speck of it that we can't begin to fathom what's beyond that. This is the glory of the Lord. The Lord created this to show His glory. All of creation screams the glory of God. And we can see that by looking around. In fact, this very passage, when Buzz Aldrin was coming back to earth after being one of the first men to land on the moon, this is a passage that he recited. What is man that you're mindful of him? 
the Son of Man, that you care for him. The mindfulness, the compassion of God, that he cares about us, a small part of his creation. And the care, the grace that he gives us. And imagine, imagine this, David was part, despite all of David's shortcomings, again, for a man who had probably the second most well-known sin in all of Scripture, he was still allowed to be a part of the genealogy of Christ. That the ultimate plan of compassion, the ultimate um, gesture of compassion and the ultimate gesture of grace would come through the lineage of David through the Son of God, Jesus, who came and lived a life that we couldn't possibly begin to live, who died a death that we 100% deserved, not only died that death, took that punishment, rose again, defeated that punishment, and then ascended back into heaven. Imagine if David understood everything that we understood. How incredible that would be. And again, it's still as true for us, knowing what we know, as it was for him then. He goes on to say, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. We're part of this created universe, but we are crowned with glory and honor. We are given the greatest blessing of all. And yet even the glory and the honor that we have, that we're crowned with, is God-given. Apart from him, we don't have it. We don't deserve it. It's not something that we've earned ourselves. It's all of the Lord. He has blessed us immensely. Despite the fact that we are sinful and that we are rebellious, He has given us this path of redemption through His Son, Jesus. And He's given us this spirit and this flesh. He's given us a soul that we can understand that there's a higher power out there. Not just because of what we observe within the world, not just because of Scripture, but because inside all of us, we know that there's something greater than ourselves. There's got to be something greater than this world that we live for. He tells us, David says, You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the, path, the paths of the sea. We are blessed as part of his creation. We're different than anything else. We're different than any other part of His creation. Every living creature that God created, we are held to the highest place of glory and honor in terms of earth and what is surrounding this universe. Why? Because we can commune with the Father. We can communicate with Him because Jesus came. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. We can pray. We've been singing praises to the Lord the whole time. This morning, this goes back to the idea that the Lord is not distant. It's not like, man, we weren't loud enough today. He never heard it. That's not the case. The Lord dwells among us. The Spirit dwells among us. If you're a believer, the Spirit dwells in you. How incredible is that? That we get the opportunity to have the Spirit dwell in us. The Lord wants to commune with us. The Lord wants us to pray to Him and He blesses us. We're not slaves to our animalistic urges of our flesh. The bodies that we have that are broken, that are sinful, we don't have to do what they want to do. We are given a soul. And we are given the choice to glorify our Creator, the same Creator that created this vast universe, even though we understand it very, very little. 
And then something that's incredible about this is David, again, beginning with uh, the most holy name of God that he speaks, the most highly revered name of God. If you read back through this, uh, you'll see that he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. David is not seeking glory for himself. He even says, listen, uh, listen we, we have dominion over the earth because you've given it to us. We have glory and honor placed upon our heads because you've set it to be. We can see all of these beautiful things around us. We can see this gorgeous creation, the work of your fingers. This is the important thing that we have to remember, that it is not about us. When we glorify the Lord, it's not, it's not this, well, man, I did a good, good thing, Lord. I did a really, really... No, that's not the case. Our best deeds are not a drop in the bucket compared to what we have done to Lord in terms of our sin. But the Lord loved us enough, and in the ultimate act of love, He sent His Son to, die, to live the life that we couldn't live, and in the ultimate act of holiness, He took out and gave His Son our punishment, His Son who didn't deserve it, so that we could be reunited with Him, so that we could do what David is doing here. We can glorify the Lord and give glory where glory is due. This is what we've got to understand, folks, is that the Lord has blessed us immensely. He's not a lifeline. He's not the end of the rope. He's not, your, you know, he's not the last line of defense. Man, I've exhausted every other one of my options. Lord, help me. That's, that's not what He is. The Lord is worthy of glory and honor. And this is what David says. And we, again, one of the things that I love about Scripture and one of the things I love about David in particular is the fact that we get to see, we get to see inside the journal of a king. We get to see the prayers of a king. A man who literally came from nothing, who went to everything. He was the king of God's chosen people who fell and who was redeemed even after that. I want you to think about in our lives, how often do we glorify the Lord for who He is? Better yet, how often do we think about who the Lord is and what He's done for us? We're busy. I know I'm busy, and a lot of times I think about, man, I got this, this to do, this to do, this to do, this to do. Sometimes, you know, we have, right now we're in uh, an incredibly busy season for our church, and I thank, I thank the Lord for that, and I thank you that you take the opportunities that the Lord has given you to serve. But I think about those busy times, and I think a lot of times I go, man, I, I need a break. Man, I've done so much. I've done this. Me, 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 me. Rather than thinking about, Lord, thank you for the opportunities you've given us to serve. I've tried to change the way that I pray uh, rather than, and this may sound 
This may sound negative. I don't think it is. I hope none of you take it that way. But when we do launch room on Sunday mornings and people come in, we pray over anyone who serves. You're more than welcome to come in behind Connection Point. We pray over anyone who serves throughout the, throughout the week or on Sunday mornings. And one of the ways that I try to pray is I, I try to stop saying, thank you for so-and-so. I've tried to move my prayers to, Lord, thank you for giving so-and-so the opportunity. Rather than saying, you know what, God, thank you for giving me, uh, you know, thank you for giving me this job at Connect Church, which I love. Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve alongside these people. And listen, when we start praying for the sake of the glory of God, understanding that all good things, every good thing from your family to your church to your community, whatever good thing you have is of the Lord, we will begin to pray like David did. Giving glory where glory is due. It's not about me. Anything, anything that is given to me that is good, anything in terms of my family, uh, my job, anything like that that I'm thankful for is not because of something that I've done. It's because the Lord has blessed me far greater than I ever deserved. So I want to I encourage you, church, that as we pray, as we minister to the people around us, number one, that, uh, that we not look at opportunities the Lord gives us as a headache. Fine, Lord, I'll minister to them. It's an inconvenience, but I'll do it. But we look and we go, Lord, thank you for letting me be a part of what you've got planned. That we don't look at all these things and say, man, look at all that I have done and that I've built up. But rather we look at the Lord and say, Lord, how with what you've given me, how do I use that to glorify you? I can tell you, if, if you feel stagnant in your relationship with the Lord which, which we, we've all been there, just to be honest. We've been at those points. Say, Man, I just don't feel the Lord speaking to me. I don't feel like that the Lord uh, is leading me. Try giving praise where praise is due. Giving glory where glory is due. After all, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't know who we're giving glory and honor to, how are we ever going to continue to give glory and honor? As Chris comes up this morning, I want to encourage you just to bow your heads. It's a strange thing whenever we begin to to praise the Lord for who He is and what He's done because it changes our mindset. It changes how we think about things and it changes our motivations. It changes our priorities. The Lord has blessed each and every one of us. And if, and if you're a believer, if, if, you, if you've given your life to Christ, then more than anyone else in this world, we should understand what that means and who He is and what He's done for us. We don't serve a distant God. We don't serve uh, a God who is millions of miles away, who doesn't care about us, who doesn't love us, who just wants to be glorified for no reason. We serve a God who is personal, 
We serve a God who loves each and every one of us, not only each and every one of us, but each and every person that we know or who has ever existed. We serve a God who who created a universe that we can't begin to possibly wrap our minds around how big it is or how amazing and complicated and complex it is or even even what's right in front of us our own earth we don't understand very much about it at all and yet all of that doesn't speak to a God who can explain things or speak to a God who uh, can't understand things it speaks to a God who is so powerful that's just a small tiny glimpse of the glory that he exhibits how incredible is that church As we sing, I want to encourage you on a couple of things. If you're, if you're a believer today, then I want to encourage you just, man, change the way we pray. I know it, and again, I, I don't, I know it's hard to do that. It's, it's, it's difficult to do that. It can be awkward and kind of strange, but listen, it's so worth it. And I'm still learning myself. That's the reason I want, you, I, want, I want us to experience as a church, I want us to be a church that celebrates the Lord for who He is first and foremost. Not for what we, get, what we can get out of our relationship, not to ease our conscience because we're here on a Sunday morning, but that a church that glorifies a God who is bigger than all of us, who still changes people. So if you're a believer today and you, you want to come to the front and just pray and just glorify the Lord for who He is, feel free to. We'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to celebrate with one, of an, with one another. If you're not a believer and you say, man, I, I, I want to know more about this. You know, like, I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I feel like this is something that, that I need to do. Listen, we would love to pray with you. This is the body of Christ. We're part of the church. The global church. We're, we have people ministering all over the world that we get the opportunity to be a part of. And life change is happening in those places because we serve a God who is bigger than our issues. We serve a God who's bigger than our problems. Nothing in this world stands up against it. Again, out of the weakest among us, the Lord's glory silences those, the things that are against us. Our flesh does not dictate what we have to do your past does not dictate whether or not you can come up here that's not what the church is that's not what the Lord is we're all sinful but you know what in the same way that we are all sinful the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us because he is greater than anything we can hang on to maybe there's something in your life that's holding you back and you say Blake I just there's just one thing I can't give up well listen give it to the Lord what's worth it What's worth it? What's worth more than Him, our Creator? Not only our Creator, but the one who sent His Son to die for us because we deserve death. And He sent His Son to die for us so that we could be reunited with Him. What is worth more than that? The best thing that we can do for our families, the best thing that we can do for our relationships with the people of us is to love the Lord more than anything. So as we sing this morning, I encourage you, if you want to come to the front, people can come and pray with you. We would love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. If you're, uh, whether, that's, whether you're a believer, whether you're not, uh, if you want to know the Lord, we'd love to pray with you about that. If you just want to praise God for who He is, we would love to pray with you about that. As we stand and Chris sings.
If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.